1: Put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45 percent. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply.
2: Go from the same state. Here's Alex Tuck with a shot. He scores.
3: Alex Tuck down the right side gets the Sabres within three, trailing five to two with 11.59 remaining in the third period. Happy Wednesday morning. Rough one for the Sabres last night. It's one of your uh, highlights of the game for the moments in your life. Go forth and forth. Paul Hamilton joins us on the Western Hotline. Our Sabres beat reporter. His reports are brought to you by Equitable Advisors, thinking about today and planning for tomorrow, and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. All right, Paul. Well, that was one of the more disappointing, I want to say outcomes, but periods of the year. I mean, for a fan base here that may have not been – totally in attendance as Toronto took over the building. But, you know, fans were pretty fired up for a a, a big game against a team that it's fun to beat and just
2: nothing out of the gate. Complete and total no-show, and there's no excuse for it, none. I mean, they have had five periods now since they've been back from break where they've given up three or four goals. Five. You shouldn't have five periods where you give up three or four goals all year. I mean, I know it happens from time to time, but to to come out in the first period and be, I mean, they couldn't even have a shot mentality because they never crossed the red line the whole time. They never had the puck. I mean, they would have been shooting from their own end to have a shooting mentality. Um, And they just, nothing. I mean, I used to see players get mad you know, this year with this group, you know, when things didn't go well, they would get mad. I mean, you you let your arch rival walk into your rink, laugh at you, and just do whatever they want, and nothing except from Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck was the only one that I thought showed any passion, any anger. He showed up after the game, and couple of other guys maybe could have also. Now, to be fair, if you ask for them, they'll come back. But uh, I didn't have to ask for Alex Duck. He was standing yep. there waiting to be held accountable. And to me, in the first period, he was the only guy that I saw that had showed any passion or anything whatsoever. I mean, get mad. Yep. I mean, put the Leafs on notice that you're not going to be laughed at and let them walk into your building and just do whatever they want.
3: Jeremy White, Jody Biasi here with Paul Hamilton. Joe, I didn't mention this yet on the show. It's it. It takes a, a lot. I figure we're going to talk to Paul today on the show during the game. I sent a text to Paul and said, "When's the last time somebody got mad?" And Paul, like, you know, yeah. y- to hear you talk about this, it's what is it? Young team. They don't want to. They're they're still finding themselves because.
4: Well, the youth you mentioned. He mentions Tuck got mad, and I don't know if you noticed it, Paul, but I saw Kyle Oposo behind a play, kind of throw a jab at somebody, and I started watching him. I don't know how overtly he was running around, but Oposo also, to me, I noticed the whole game like he was taking runs at guys, and he was definitely. I would want to say that he was definitely showing that passion too. But yeah, is it maybe an age thing? I I don't know where you go with that part of it.
2: Yeah, what, what happened to Dylan Cousins? I mean, he's been playing okay, but it just I don't see the fire that I used to see. I mean, last year, Dylan Cousins wouldn't have put up with that. I mean, just just show you're alive. Show that, that it matters. And as I said, this, this group, I've seen it before. I've seen Darlene and Cousins. And didn't Libushkin, Libushkin be brought in here? To, you know, be a little bit more of a physical presence for a defense that wasn't all that physical? Where's he? I mean, I don't need to see a riot out there or anything, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing one of the Leafs deposited on the seat of their <laughs> pants, you know, who, who are sitting there dancing around the, the front of the net. Nobody's, everybody's just standing there watching them. It's like wow, these guys are good hockey players. Let's let's sit back and just take this in. You know, this is wow. Look at them pass; they're really talented. And we'll just stand there and let them walk in. Uh, the our arch rival, just come in and take over our arena, and that that's cool. You know, because the boy, they're talented hockey players. Boy, aren't they fun to watch? Because they that's all they did is watch them. They didn't do anything at all. They didn't, you know, they just basically stood there and and didn't compete. Didn't do anything, and then when it was 5 nothing, they decided, okay, let's see if we can maybe come back now. Well, yeah, congratulations, you did score three goals. You shouldn't have scored any of them because the goaltender should have stopped all three of them. And you're right. If you want to say you can build on that, go ahead and try that. But the Leafs also were ahead 5 nothing, and they're just to a point now where they're like, okay, let's get this over with and go home.
3: You know, Paul, whenever there's a game like this, you mentioned the number of three- and four-goal periods. I feel like the last couple times I've said to you, all right, is this just a one-off or are we seeing a recurring problem that the general manager has to address or the coach has to address? So is it that the defense core just isn't built to where it needs to be? Is it that the goalie, maybe you needed a save on the first or the fourth goal? Is it the coach's style just... They don't have the roster yet to play it fully. What do you see that Kevin Adams can do about it or should do about it, if anything?
2: Well, their their defense isn't the – these aren't the six guys that I think you're winning a championship with. I still think, you know, they've got nobody to move into their top four when somebody gets hurt. And, you know, I I think they have a, a top four. And I think they, they need to go from there. I, I think uh, Jacob Bryson's regressed. Clegg's um, all right if you for your number seven to just throw in there when you have an injury or something. But Labushkin, he's been hurt a lot, and I just haven't seen really – he hasn't helped your penalty kill. They're still one of the worst penalty killing that, that Their penalty kill was absolutely I, – I, I have no words. To, to that to, to, I mean Anderson absolutely stood on his head till it got to the point where he couldn't make a save anymore. I mean, as as the other four guys who were supposedly killing a penalty just stood there and spun like tops, as as the as as the uh, Harlem Globetrotters of the hockey were just putting on a clinic down there, and Anderson made what three saves or something like that. And until finally he just couldn't make another one and Nylander scored. And it's just, I I just, I don't understand how your pride doesn't get the best of you. And I understand that sometimes you come out and you don't have anything, you got nothing, but you can at least show up. And to me, you know, the coaching staff has to look at itself too. How do you let your team come out that unprepared? And then after the game, Bring up your nine day break again. The nine day break should not be brought up again. That's over with. That was what, a week and a half ago? Sorry. This said nothing to do with a nine day break this game.
3: And on coaching staff and what could change Paul, the penalty kill has been something hurting them all year long. I mean it doesn't necessarily kill them last night because they give up plenty of even strength, but if you want to look at some place this team could make a change or maybe would identify where they need help. They are 30th in the league on the penalty kill.
2: Mm -hmm. And they brought in Tyson Jost. Okay, fine. I have no problem with that to try to help with this. Like, all right, we can try somebody on waivers and see if he can help. And Tyson Jost has been an okay player, but he hasn't helped the penalty kill. I mean, it's still horrendous, Uh, night in and night out for the most part. And now they had gone two straight games without giving up a power play goal, but there was only three attempts in those two games, you know, that they had won. So the penalty kill went three for three, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm piling on here because it was four nothing by the time the penalty kill came out and, and looked like the Sabres looked early in the game, but that, that was as bad as it gets. I, I don't think you could kill a penalty any worse than they did in, in that, in that very short period of time that, that, that uh, the Leafs finally scored. So, they certainly have work to do, but it just concerns me greatly that this team wasn't ready to play. And Granato's got to find a way. Maybe, maybe he babies these guys too much. You know, I I understand his philosophy of, you know, we want, you know, we're not going to point out negatives. We want to, you know, work on the positives and that type of thing. And, but you know what, maybe it's time for some people to get benched for a little while. Yeah, you... and, and, and and you know, he doesn't like doing that. and Maybe that's something that he needs to start doing.
3: You know, criticisms of Granato have not been abundant because things have, you know, started to go well. But when to use timeouts, when to pull a goaltender, you feel like he's been a little slow on that kind
2: of stuff as well? Yeah, but I, in this game he did it when he should have. But, I mean... And I I understand after the game he wants to stand up for his young goaltender, that's cool. I mean his young goaltender deserved to be pulled. I'm I'm sorry his young goaltender wasn't any better than his team was. I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming him as part of the team. He was part he was his his part of the problem was there too. I mean he was part of the problem. He I mean you 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 needed a couple of saves in there. And you didn't get him. Case closed. I mean, he, he needed to be pulled for, for because he wasn't playing well. And there were about 17 other skaters that needed to be pulled too, but you couldn't. I mean, you couldn't dress 17 new guys. So it wasn't, was it his fault they lost? No. But he certainly could have helped things if he could have come up with a big save like he did in San Jose. But, uh, you know, right now for him in the last, what, four or five starts, San Jose's been the outlier. You know, he's he was in net for Carolina. He was in net for Calgary. He was in net for this. And it's not going well for him lately. And I'm not at all saying he shouldn't be the – I would still make have him the starting goalie. But he needs to be better. Paul, I, I wonder
4: – It sounds like doomsday a little bit here. They did have like a forty-six percent chance at some sites to make the playoffs going into last night, so it's not, it's not all bad here. But you know, now that we're starting to pick apart some of the problems, I I almost want to separate Quinn and Paterka for a second here. Quinn scores last night, but he also can make a defensive impact at times. Um, And Paterka, I've been trying to watch him closer. The last couple of weeks, because I know he's not putting up the numbers, and like, what is happening? Is he getting bodied off the puck? Is he is he skittish when he when he has it that he doesn't want to get hit, or is it just youth? He now has four assists, no goals, and four assists in his last twenty two games, and mm-hmm. I'm wondering from you, like I, I'm usually Mister Let the young kids grow, learn in the pros, but I'm starting to wonder myself if it might not be an idea to throw him down in Rochester for for a few games.
2: Yeah, I mean, they when they get it in their heads that they want guys to learn up here, they did it with Cousins, they did it with, and that worked, you know, and, and now they're doing it with Paterka and Quinn, and they, they just decide that that's, that's that. Uh, Paterka has zero confidence whatsoever that he can put the puck in the net. He had a 2-on-0 the other day, and it really, I mean, it wasn't even close to looking like a goal. I mean, it was good good for him that they well, they produced the 2 on 0 but uh yeah, he has zero confidence in anything he's doing right now. He's not using his speed like he was. I mean, he was getting some good opportunities to to score by using his speed and he would just fly by the defense. Somebody would hit him with a pass and he was gone. And he just doesn't seem to have any confidence whatsoever. You don't see that great big smile of his anymore. He's not enjoying the game right now because he's not playing it well. So I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, I don't think it would kill him at all to spend a little time down in Rochester just to get his confidence back a little bit uh, for a couple of weeks or whatever, just so he can feel the puck going in the net again. And, uh, you know, because you would think if he got down there, I think the puck would go in the net for him and you know just be better you know when he could come up here but they do get it in their heads that these guys are now part of the team and their rochester days are over and we we feel we can they can do better if they if we stick with them up here and you know the assistant coaches sit with them and do film with them and that type of thing and learn up here but right now he just kind of seems like he's banging his head against the wall because of frustration
4: Granato calls timeout early. He pulls the goaltender, so you know he does what the normal coaches would do to try to you know stir the team up. I was wondering, Paul, throughout that game, if he would work his way back to the lines that he's he's had for months. I mean, he kind of said that last week when he was on with us that eventually he might want to get back to the the, the like the cousins, Paterka, Quinn line, and um, Jost with Middlestat and Olafson and i was wondering if he would do that throughout last night's game it didn't really happen but i wonder from you if you think granado might return to the lines that we became accustomed to until like a week ago
2: i think he wanted to give Krebs a chance with you know on a different line maybe a, a a chance with a line that has a chance to score type of a thing whereas yeah the the line he was on does have a chance to score but we're not going to call gurgenson's and oposo offensive type players you know that Krebs might be looking for than the type of player the dynamic type of player he he is so I think that was maybe a big part of it like okay let's give Krebs a chance on another line and see how he does and uh you know maybe it is time to just go back to what was totally familiar with them and uh but it still doesn't address for me this game. This game is an outlier for me and maybe a couple of others, but especially this one. It doesn't address the fact that there was just no passion in what you were doing whatsoever. That to me isn't what line you're on. You're just standing there watching, including lines that have played together all year. I mean, and just letting it happen and just not, showing any emotion whatsoever that you're getting waterboarded by your arch rival in your building and they're standing there laughing at you. Maybe, maybe I'm old too old and maybe that would bother me and it doesn't bother the modern day athlete. I don't know, but I can tell you that and I'm not, I don't, I very rarely talk about myself but I guarantee you that would not be happening if I was if I was playing in in where wherever I played. I guarantee you I did not play on teams that would allow that to happen. People would be on the seat of their pants. I mean, it, it just nobody would be out there. We might lose eight to nothing, but the other team are, are going to know they were in a hockey game. If I if I was on a team that lost eight to nothing and. As I said, I, I know I'm old. No, well, Paul, maybe me, I'm just I'm just living in a fantasy world. But let me, let me show ask you. Care.
3: Let me ask you about that. They follow up on that because, you know, I don't think that many Sabres fans would be thinking it's time to panic about the state of the organization. But I no. guess, but I guess I would ask you this because off of what you just said, do you think that it's possible that a team like this that is young, and every time they lose a game like this, a lot of the fans will say like, Hey, listen. It was going to be a good year if they were just in the race. Already calling this year a success, right? It's it's been a good year and it's not about we've got to make the playoffs. When we talk about it about the deadline, what they should do, it seems like it's already a bit of a a a marked victory. It's already we're already at a parade for things are going well. Do you think that that mindset could creep into a team? I mean, it's on the coaches to not settle for less than excellence and less than their best.
2: But let's be real. We talk about it like it's already a successful season. I hope not. I mean, because to me, if you get 90 points or more, I think you do have a successful season on your hands. Um, Because they're still in the race, but yet they're still in what I've talked about all year long. You know, you got so far behind. It took so much to get back up there that you just get back up there and you just get there. But... You're not going to win every game at this point. You're not going to win 30 straight games. And so, all right, you're going to have a little bit of a lull. Back down you go because there are so many teams around you. Now they're going to pass you. Now the lull's over. And now, okay, here we go. You know, all right, we, we just won four out of five. Cool. Here we go. And now we're back in it. We're right there. But, you know, are they going to win nine out of ten? Maybe, but probably not. You know, so now, oh, geez, now we just lost two out of three. Eh, back down we go because this team won and this team won. And whatever. So th- th- it's that kind of thing that's happening to them right now, too, as far as a playoff race. So, you know, I've just been, all right, they're in a playoff race. Cool. They got themselves back in it. Cool. And I'm not making any predictions that's going to make it. They're not going to make it anymore. It's just like, let's see what happens. And I really don't have a huge problem with, sitting there and, and watching, let this team do it, if that's what they choose to do. I think they know this is, like, well, no, they know this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't your Stanley Cup-winning team. There are some players that will be, if you do win a Stanley Cup at some point, will be a part of it. But this isn't it, and they know that. I mean, Adams is the first one to tell you in, in any interview, if you ask, that, you know, we have a long ways to go. I've heard Granado say it. We've had we I've heard him say on your show, we we still have a long ways to go, and maybe there's some guys on that team who are starting to get a little, little uh, overconfident that, yeah, look at this, we love each other here and they do, you know, we we got a great thing going here and you know the guys are great and we all went to the Bahamas together and and that is all good that is cool, and that is part of it and they do have a good culture here, but these guys got to understand that this is the NHL and this is in the group. And some of your good friends aren't going to be here when, 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 and if you win the Stanley cup, because there's still work to be done on this team. Want to offer a thought on Ryan O'Reilly before we go. Yeah. Well, they made it pretty easy for the guy. I mean, uh, he still had to score the goals and give him credit to go out there and score the goals. But I mean that as I I was serious. That looked like the Harlem Globetrotters of hockey out there. I mean he basically just went popping in and ha had to make a big save and couldn't. But he was wide open to to go in there and uh, you know certainly was uh, <laughs> somebody that helped that team out. There's no question about that. Uh, that uh, you know he comes up with a four point game against the Sabers. I don't know. How many four-point games he has in him? I don't know if this is going to rejuvenate him because in St. Louis he looked like his career was over. But maybe playing with better players, he wasn't playing with Marner and Tavares in St. Louis, and now he is. And when the, especially Mitch Marner, he can make you look good in a hurry. And uh, he certainly, you know, made Ryan O'Reilly look like he was 25 years old out there. <laughs> or helped him look like he was 25 years old out there. So I'm not going to judge the trade on this game because good there trade. was no resistance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was no resistance. So, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, as they get through the playoffs and everything how this trade helps him. If I were the Leafs, I would have been looking for a top defenseman more than I would have been a forward. But uh, well, maybe they still are. The Leafs. Maybe they still are. Yeah, maybe they still are.
3: Tampa and Florida to close out uh, Thursday, Friday, and then uh, Washington after that. Thanks, Paul. Take care, guys. Paul Hamilton's reports on WGR brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today and planning for tomorrow, and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. It is. Uh, we'll get some stats of the game too. Brought to you by Paddock Chevrolet. With you for the extra mile. For nothing. That's one of the biggest stats you can have. Here,
4: here's one. O'Reilly in three games with Toronto. Twenty-one percent of his season stat of his season
3: point total. Pretty good. In three games. He's got five points. He had 19 in St. Louis. Marty Baran comes up next. We'll talk to him about Lucanin, his game. And also, it's uh, the 16-year anniversary of the Ottawa fight game. So, we'll uh, go down memory lane a little bit here on WGR.
5: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
3: RJ on the call. It was 16 years ago today. The Ottawa fight game, the brawl. I was there. Marty Baron was there. Marty I on the Western I, I Hotline. I wish I was there. What's up, Marty?
6: Uh, not much. It's funny because this year, I always think of the trade deadline and the week before the trade deadline when it happens. But the trade deadline is a little bit later this year just because the NHL season is scheduled to... Like and a, a week later, so that's why I wasn't thinking about it when you texted me a couple of days ago, and I was like, already, like we're ready, <laughs> we're already getting there. So I was surprised.
3: Yeah, sneaks up. I I don't know why the the date always sticks out right in my mind, February twenty second, because you know it's one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. One of the, I feel like it's one of the most memorable games in, in Sabres franchise history. We'll get to last night's game in a moment, but you know I'm, su- I'm sure you've been asked thousands of times about that there's a beyond blue and gold about it you know as you as you look back as you guys talk about it you know look back on the broadcast or teammates um you know what 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 do you remember about that night and and i guess it's in context in context with that team as well
6: yeah i i do remember even leading up to that game how many injuries we had suffered right and it was it was a great season and it was a surprise like the year before was a surprising season. That year was, was you know, the President's Trophy season. So it was a fantastic season. So to keep losing players to injuries game after game after game was was a bit of a tough blow. And then to see Chris Rue getting hit like that by Chris Neal, who we already didn't like. And the rivalry with Ottawa was was pretty strong with the previous season, Pommonville goal, but I still remember it from – you know, the Derek Plant run Tugnut, Michael Pekka, Alexi Yashin. Like, it was, in my mind, like, that rivalry was really, really strong. And for the younger or newer player, it was, like, from the year before. So, there was there was something there. That game, and not only was it one game, it was a home-and-home home because a few days later we were playing in Ottawa. So, so you knew there was going to be a lot of emotions in that game. Uh, and it it lived up to it, right? So that was leading up to it. The game itself, I don't remember the goals. Leading up to the brawl, um, I know it was a. It ended up being a very high scoring game uh, with both, you know, Gerber and Miller going back in it after me and Ray got in a fight. But um, you know, the the game itself, not a lot that I remember. Um, I have visual reminder in my head, like Miller making the save and then. You know, doing the the spin and the celebration after the shootout. Uh, you know, I think there was a goal on Gerber that I do remember, uh, but I wouldn't be able to remember who scored it. It was just it was that brawl, the fight, the the whole you know, Spezza Heatley Comrie against Mayor Peters Coletta. Like that was that was it. That was the whole game right there.
4: So when they, if if you remember, they come out onto the ice, Peters, Mayor, and Coletta. And they're being shown on camera. So, like, I can watch it and say, okay, I know when they decide to go after guys and, like, how it happens. But you and Emery are not on camera until you're already at center ice with masks off. So do you remember, like, were you ready to, like, skate down there before the puck is dropped? Did you see what was happening and then decide? Like, how did it go that you and Emery both knew, okay, we're going to skate to the center ice and fight?
6: So, funny enough, like, I did my catching glove really, really tight when I played. Like, double strapped, really tight. I even glued, like, I had a spray, like, one of those, like, under-wrapping, like, uh, they call it the, you know, tough uh, spray or whatever. Like, I sprayed my glove hand with that. So, my glove hand was, like, literally stuck in my glove, right? So... When I saw Mayor Peters Coletta go on the ice, I'm like, uh, okay, well, this is going to happen. I better start loosening up my glove right now. So I'm already kind of, you know, like take, getting my glove hand loose and like knowing that this is going to happen. Now, if you see the clip of, you know, me getting to center ice, I'm still unloosing and tying untying my glove. Like it literally didn't come off in one second so i started like to prepare before the the puck was dropped and then you know when the whole thing happened i took the mask off took the blocker off dropped the stick and then i'm still working on loosening up the glove until i get there so so it did um take a little bit longer and it was a process but the the beyond blue and gold that jeremy you mentioned about it was so interesting when we sat down because I knew my version of the things. I didn't know Petey, Caletta and Adam Mayer. And really, Adam Mayer was the one I was most surprised about because he said as soon as, you know, he, Neil hits Drury, the whole Lindy Ruff and Brian Murray thing happened, and they're yelling at one another, and then, you know, like, Mayer was like, I didn't even look to Lindy. I jumped over the board. I'm like, I'm going. Like he he wasn't gonna get me off the ice. So so that was interesting that he had taken ownership and it was it was like that.
3: Marty Baron on the Western Hotline, the sixteen year anniversary of the Ottawa fight game. We'll get to last night's game in a moment. Marty, one thing I have not thought of or maybe realized until today is that you played in that game, the next game against Ottawa, and those were your last two games as a Saber.
6: Yeah, so the the brawl was my last home game as a Sabre, and then we went to Ottawa, and I remember starting that game. Um, I didn't finish either one of them. I got pulled in the Ottawa game because I, I, I keep using those two games as an example to younger players, and especially goaltender, as to how you have to manage your emotions in games. Like the first Ottawa game, the brawl happened, you know, okay, it's great. And then I believe it was a Saturday night in Ottawa that we did play after. And, you know, it's hockey night in Canada. It's a buzz. We just had the brawl. And I remember listening to music on the bus, you know, from the hotel to the rink and then getting to the change room before going over to my stall. And Jochen Hash looked at me and he goes, damn, like how loud are you listening to music? Because it was literally blasting out of my headphones and i remember being so pumped up like i'm like i'm going to we're going to kill them like it's going to be like i'm i'm going to be like on top of it and all of that but emotionally i was so high i couldn't really like play the game i i wasn't i wasn't managing my emotions on that saturday night so i got pulled and then a couple of days later we were in toronto actually getting ready to play the leafs when i got traded and there was a trade deadline so yeah those were my last two sabers games But the last home game that I've ever played as a Sabres in front of our fans was the brawl.
4: I'm looking at Marty's game log right now. We were complaining yesterday about how these teams don't play each other in the division anymore. Marty's (laughs) last eight games with the Sabres, all past that new year, went Toronto, Toronto, Montreal, Boston, Boston, Ottawa, Ottawa, Ottawa. All divisional games because they just played each other all the time. Marty, after the – That was
6: a weird time – Joe, it was it was the first three years after the uh, 0-4-5 lockout. And so what they did, and it didn't work. And it, there's an easy fix for the schedule, uh, but they tried something back then as basically there was 30 teams, 15 in each conference. So you played, and there was three divisions of five teams in each conference. So the way that it worked is, let's see the Sabres. One Western Conference division, you played one game against them in their building, so there's five games. One Western division, mm-hmm. they came to you for one game, so there's another 5-10. And one division, you didn't play at all, and it became a rotation. So for three years, you played, let's see, you know, I don't know, you played L.A. there, L.A. came to you the next year, and the third year, you didn't play at L.A. at all. Mm-hmm. So that made sense. 10 games against the west the other two divisions were a uh, home and home in your in your conference so you've got you know uh 10 games uh, 10 teams that you play four times so that's 40 plus 50 so there was 32 team uh, games against your own division of four teams eight games against each of them four at home four on the road it was very heavy division um, you know, base, but my, the year I got traded to the flyers, I got to Philadelphia and one of the last games of the season, we played Pittsburgh and the guys are all like depressed. And I'm like, what's going on? Like we're playing the pens. It's a, it's a flyers, you know, Pittsburgh penguins rivalry, Pennsylvania rivalry. And they're like, they're seven and no against us this year. And <laughs> they finished eight and no against the flyers. So, so if you had a bad team or two bad teams in your division, that was literally like 32 points you could get right there
4: i know you talked about this on the blue and gold a little bit but where did you watch the rest of the brawl game after you got kicked out
6: so we got kicked out and then the sabers we had a somewhat of a lounge like i know the locker rooms in the nhl now are all you know they have the kitchen and the lounge and a place to like have food and that would have been the place to watch the game but we had a makeshift lounge back then which was like a couple of couches, a big screen TV, uh, and it was right off of the locker room, right off of a changing room. So the players that weren't playing, like Paul Gostad had gotten hurt. Uh, you know, there was uh, there was five or six guys that were not playing because they were injured. Uh, so they were sitting there. They had pizza and wings. They were re- watching the game. And I remember coming into the locker room and and smelling the pizza and smelling the wings and being like. Where's everybody at? And then so me and Petey went to the back room where the lounge was and we sat on the couch. I didn't even have my jersey off. I had a slice of pizza in my hand. And then what? looking back, knowing that, well, I was probably already in trade talks with other teams because Darcy Regeer came down to the locker room and into the lounge and was like, are you okay? Like to, to Petey and I, like, are you guys okay? You guys good? Like you're not hurt. And I remember being like, no, no, good. He didn't hit me. Like, he hit me in the back of the head one time, and I'm fine. He goes, you're good, right? And I'm like, yeah. And then he went back to finish watching the game. Well, obviously, he wanted to make sure I wasn't injured. He probably had talked with Philadelphia before that and wanted to make sure that the trade was still going to go down or something like that. So, So that was interesting. But, yeah, I was in the lounge with all the guys. And I remember when we won the shootout, like, the building buzz in and all of that. So it was pretty cool.
3: Marty, last night, rough one for the Sabres. The Ryan O'Reilly hat trick. Lukanen pulled. I wonder what are your thoughts on, on Lukanen in this game. You know, Don Granado starts by saying it's not on Lukanen. And I don't think anyone would say, you know, the entire loss is on Lukanen. But I do think it was a bit of a dis- disappointing performance. There are going to be moments, you know this, as a goalie, where you've got to come up if the team is not, not really playing well and give them time to find their game. And unfortunately last night, that didn't happen.
6: Yeah. So I mentioned it to Brian Duff and Sabres live yesterday. I said, he asked me what's the key to the ninth game. I said, you got to give three goals or less to the Leafs. The Leafs uh, literally, uh, you know, if they score four, like they just, they dominate in the NHL this year and the Sabres defensively, they're, they're back to where it was when they had their eight game losing streak. They actually, they don't give up as many chances the goalies give up more goals. So I'm like, you you need a few big saves. And you're not always going to have your best periods. And, And this is, and I hate to say it, but it's a cliche, the trap game, right? You go out west, you come back home. That game is usually a trap game. And we've seen examples of that. So you need your goalie to bail you out. You need your goalie in the first period to make a few big saves. That first period for me, should have been a two nothing deficit, not a four nothing deficit where you're like the rest of the game is a mail it in game, especially for the Leafs. So that's how I see it. I didn't love the O'Reilly, the first goal. Obviously Lucan then probably watching the tape is gonna, is gonna wonder why did he overplay the the shooter Marner so much on that play. I didn't like the Bunting goal. Like, you know, Bunting comes in, just makes a move to his left and has half the net to shoot at. So I think that's a two nothing game at that point. Now was was Don Granado right to say that's not on UPL? Absolutely he was right because the Sabres had nothing. Nothing in the first period. They they, they got dominated on the matchup. It was O'Reilly against Thompson. Um and and that didn't work at all. Now Don Granado went to a different matchup in the second period and, and, and actually put Jost with Oposo and Gergensen's on O'Reilly, but the Leafs are, I mean, we're up 4 nothing, then up 5 nothing, and that's it. Uh, but so they got dominated in the matchup. I think they got dominated in the the structure of the game and the game planning. The Leafs kept having somebody wide every rush, and the weak side defenseman got caught, you know, on the same side of the ice as the strong side defenseman too many times. It opened up that door. It just... That was that game. But now I wasn't on UPL, but I, I, I still don't think that goaltending has been uh, where it needs to be at this time of the year to compete.
3: Marty Baran on the West Her Hotline. Marty, thank you. Getting ready for what? Trade deadline coverage and all?
6: Um, yeah, I'm going to be in Toronto again this year for that one with TSN. I will do you know a couple of uh, check in with Sabres Live. And because of the dates of the deadline this year, I believe, like, usually we do a three-hour cover, but I think that the One Bills Live guys are getting ready for the draft. Uh, When's the NFL draft this year?
4: Uh, April 22nd, I think, off the top of my head.
6: Is it the combine, like at the start of March, or yeah, is that... Is something going on? Because I know that the
3: the deadline. Oh, sorry, the deadline. The combine is coming very quickly. The NFL combine is February twenty eighth, so that's yes. next
4: week. The yep. draft, by the way, is the twenty seventh of April. But yeah, combine week next week. So
6: yeah, so I think like there's they're they're going to be busy with like a bunch of post combine coverage. So I don't I don't think we're doing three hours. I think we're only doing one hour plus. I don't I really don't think the Sabers are going to do much. So. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's, it's, I, I say it almost like in a negative way, but it's not. Um, I just don't think they're going to be in on a lot this, this season. I think we're a year early still from like making the, the big splash maybe at the deadline. So, so that's good. But yeah, we're starting to, you know, read every piece about rumors and trades and potential destination and, you know, was it uh, uh, Shen yesterday in Vancouver was held out for trade-related reasons, and you got Chikrin and Gabrakov, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, please end those sagas. But that's that's what's going on right now. Thanks, Marty. Okay, thanks. Have a good one, guys.
3: Marty Baron, 16-year anniversary of the uh, Ottawa brawl. If you were there, you did, you know, you don't forget that one. What was your angle? <laughs> my angle was... 100 level, and I could see directly into the Sabres player tunnel. Oh, so, okay. So when Drury walked back to the locker room, I could see the whole, you know, he was taken back, really. Yeah. I could see that whole walk. I could see down the tunnel. And I, that also meant I was looking at the Sabres bench, which. So you was, could have seen, like,
4: you you hear it on the broadcast. But Rob says, Lindy's not paying any attention to him. And then all of a sudden it's, okay, he is paying attention to him, and he's charging over towards the Ottawa bench. Yeah.
3: Yep. So you would have been at a vantage point to see to, all To that. look straight at everything. Like the best vantage point you could ask for looking right at the Sabres bench. And Marty mentions all the injuries they had. They did. They had a bunch. It feels like there was a stretch in late January, February where they lost a guy a game. Gostad, you know, like Clark MacArthur. I don't remember exactly everybody that got hurt. That's but, why Coletta is up and playing his first NHL game. Th- yeah, it's because there are injuries.
4: The, uh, the Ottawa brawl song you guys made way back when. Like, way back
3: when. The Ottawa fight song. The Ottawa the, fight song. The Ottawa song for the playoffs.
4: There was a brawl song, too, though, and there was a line in it, couldn't beat our injured squad. Maybe. That yeah. I remember.
3: <laughs> it's like, half the team was gone. MacArthur was, wasn't even a regular. Half half the team was gone, and then that game, I think they like they had to kill a five on three and at they, some point after that fight. I think fight. they killed it off right after. Yeah. Eight oh three oh five fifty. Some football talk at uh, the top of the hour with Joe Marino of the Draft Network and the Lockdown On Bills podcast. We'll talk, of course, about uh, you know Bills needs. I also want to get his thoughts on the Jets and the Jets might be ready to make a big move. Lamar Jackson could be on the move. So some football talk coming up from uh, Joe Marino, the Draft Network. That's top of the hour here on WGR.
2: After the end of a good fight, you
0: deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter.
3: very quick thought to offer on last night's Sabres-Leafs game. I won't make it much of a rant. We'll get to a break for Joe Marino the Draft Network on the other side. John Bucciagross on the broadcast further perpetuated the myth that the building last night was full of Leaf fans because Sabres fans made money selling the tickets to Leaf fans, which hasn't really been true in a decade. Why -hmm. were there so many Leaf fans in the building? Because a lot of those tickets were just for sale. You could buy tickets from the box office yesterday. Yeah. And when there are, I don't know, eight to 10,000 single-game tickets available, there were probably about eight to 10,000 Leaf fans that want to scoop those maybe up. Maybe a little more, but not. It, it was yeah. a Tuesday night. Yeah. If you're a Sabre fan, maybe a Tuesday isn't your biggest target. Maybe a Leaf game isn't your biggest target. So they would have gotten a lot of the available tickets. And when there's that many tickets available... At box office prices, guess right. how much your secondary ticket is worth? Not $300. <laughs> People right. didn't make a killing on these tickets, and they haven't been forever. So I'd like to see the death of that narrative that Saber season ticket holders just sell right. their tickets to Leaf fans and pay for, you it, know.
4: It might be at its uh, peak, though, after Bouchergross said it last night on national National streaming. I can't say national television yeah. wasn't actually
3: on television. Just, just said it like that. That's not true. That's not what happened. All right, all right. Joe Marino, with the Draft Network, on the other side here on WGR.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s. It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.